This is about NX, and this is The Candid Frame. This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace, the beautiful and intuitive website publishing platform that allows anyone to easily create professional web pages, blogs, online stores, and galleries on a single platform. For a free trial and 10% off your purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME6. This is Ivarian X, and welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. Now, before we start with this week's episode, I wanted to solicit your help. A couple of months back, I made some changes to to the feed in order to make sure that you had access to virtually every episode I've ever recorded for The Candid Frame. And for the most part, uh, it seemed successful. When I went to the iTunes store, um, except for a couple of episodes, it seems like every every interview was up and live. And I didn't hear back from any people at all, so I had thought that there hadn't been any problem. But recently, I have been getting uh, emails from people who uh, didn't realize that I was still producing shows. They they thought I had stopped and was on hiatus for a while. And there are also a couple of people who've been using an Android device and using some software on there to access the shows, and they haven't been automatically downloading. So obviously, if you're listening to the show now, you likely have not had any problem at all. But there, there seems to be a, a good number of people out there who are. And what I want you to help me do is just to spread the word that we're still here, that we're putting out episodes every week with some great photographers. And the way for you to do that is once you listen to this episode spread the word that we're still here. Uh, if you use Twitter, if you use Facebook, if you use Google+, Tumblr, whatever sort of social network that's out there, just make a short post saying you've just listened to the latest episode of The Candid Frame. And if you use hashtags like hashtag podcast, hashtag photography, and most importantly, hashtag The Candid Frame, uh, those people who have fallen off the radar will realize that, hey, I have not listened to an episode of that show for a while. Let me let me check it out again, because it's just the nature of podcasting that once you subscribe, you kind of don't think about it until a new episode shows up. And so you can make the assumption that the show has just pod faded and has just faded away. And that's and that's not the case at all. So by you taking that extra step today and spreading the word, you'll help reconnect us with the supporters and the fans of the show that have existed for a while, as well as introduce us to some new listeners that are that are out there. And if you can do that, you know, I, I will be very, very grateful to you. I can't pay you. I can't send you anything special in the mail to thank you. But you'll know that uh, that, that effort has, uh, has helped me to continue to do what I do with this show and that you obviously derive a lot of inspiration and joy from. So thank you ahead of time for doing that. Now, today's guest is Jonathan Ock, and he's a, he's a photojournalist and a street photographer out of New York. And what I, I like his work, as, as, as you likely know, I, I have a real affinity for street photography. But one of the reasons that I wanted to interview him, because he had a really interesting story in terms of the beginning of his career and 
connecting and networking with some people who that that really helped influence and and propel his beginnings as a as a photographer. Uh, us as photographers were, were always these sort of lone wolves, but but the internet and social networking has really demonstrated to me how important it is to connect with other people who not only share that passion, but also share the same desire that they want to do this, this thing that they want to make this thing a part of their lives, either professionally or, or even as an amateur, there's something about just connecting and reaching out and letting other people know, Hey, this is what I do. And this is what I want to do more of. And just giving voice to that and giving voice to the right people can really make an amazing, amazing difference. So if you listen to this show and and you don't really connect with anyone, um, make a change and try and and try to do that. Reach out, you know, on Facebook, on Google Plus, um, email email me if you want to. Uh, I'm completely open to it. I'm I'm all I suffer from the same thing. And photographers like uh, today's guest are great examples of how just opening your mouth and sharing not only your passion, but your work can make all the difference in the world. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Jonathan Ock. Okay. Um, well, I want to start off with the story about you and James Nockway, because I think it's a very telling story in terms of uh, how your beginnings of, as a photographer sure. and as well as a little bit about tenacity. <laughs> so let's, let's start off with that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how that, the relationship uh, came to be and why you were so interested in him? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was tenacity so much as dumb luck or, or whatever, you know, dumb, dumb youth, but I, um, I, uh, I dropped out of school, college, to move back to New York. I'm from New York originally. And I had this idea uh, at that point that I was really, what I wanted to do with my life more than anything else was uh, uh, make a difference, you know. And I had been studying painting in school and... I uh, wasn't very satisfied with kind of what it meant in the grand scheme of things, I guess. And so coming back to New York, the first thing I did was uh, look up James Noctway, uh, try to find out where this guy was because I thought he was uh, the best. Um uh, at some point, I had come across his his book, The Inferno, and this really was like a, um, well, I mean, that book hits hard, to say the least. Uh, I thought that this was, uh, this is something that is important, and and maybe I could do something like this, and maybe I had the guts to do something like this, so uh, what better way than to uh, learn from the best? But I didn't know really where to start, and I didn't have any connections for the photography world at all in uh, New York City. So I, uh, I, uh, I think at some point I saw the movie War Photographer, and 
in the end credits, it lists his printer. There's this famous scene in War Photographer, or I guess famous. There's a scene in War Photographer where James Noctway is printing this image with this guy, and it's just taking forever. Um, uh, they're just doing iteration after iteration. So in the credits is this guy's name, Brian Young. And I ended up at his, I can't remember what it was called, but somewhere in, uh, off of 34th Street in uh, Midtown, I ended up at this office building where this guy's print shop was. And it just so happens that, uh, that the place had gone under and it was an empty, like they were showing, when I walked in, they were showing the, the space. There was a few guys, like a realtor was walking around. And one of the guys who was there who was cleaning up a few uh, pieces of the equipment was uh, a former employee. And he said, you know, we don't exist anymore, but you got to go check out this printer named Jim McGargy in the meatpacking district. And that's where Brian Young learned all of his moves. So I went down to the meatpacking district and I convinced Jim McGargy to get me a job. Um, and, uh, I was doing work prints for him basically and contact sheets. This is all traditional darkroom printing. And, uh, one day I picked up the phone and on the other end of the line was Jim Noctway. Um, he was calling because he was commissioning some prints for an exhibition he had coming up or a collector or something like this. So eventually I stole the the at his studio address out of the Rolodex and went down there to the studio, which was a gallery on South street seaport. And the, um, let me know if this is getting too long winded. No, it's, it's, it's fine. Um, it was a gallery which wasn't related to him at all. And I stumbled into the gallery and I met the people who owned it and talked to this good looking French woman. And she said, well, you know, they actually rent the store neck. Uh, they rent the, the unit next to us and I'll introduce you. And so I met his current printer who just happened to be leaving. And, um, and and that was kind of history. And and I read that you had initially reached out to him about wanting <laughs> to be in his assistant, and he, he told you, "Well, I, I don't I don't use one." Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, as soon as I moved back to New York, I wrote I sat down at uh, my typewriter and I wrote him a letter, um, and I sent it to him, and I included some of my a CD of my photographs. I mean, I really had no idea. I didn't know that this was something that you may or may not do. So I just wrote him this letter saying uh, um, that I really want to, you know, that I think your work is has has changed my outlook on the world and what goes on in it. And I want to follow in your footsteps and work with you. And actually have the letter on my wall in front of me in my <laughs> office to remind me. And I remember I got it. I got a re response from him. And uh, uh, the letter is dated September 11th, 2006. And it says, uh, Dear Jonathan, uh, your letter and CD have been on my desk for a long time. 
And tonight, I finally found a moment to have a look. Many thanks for the communication. Uh, blah, blah, blah. On and on. I very much am appreciative of your kind words, etc. And it says that I'm sorry, but uh, it takes a, a lot of time and energy for me to uh, hire photographers and train them. And I don't hire photographers or want to be uh, people who want to be photographers. And, you know, instead of taking this as a uh, defeat, I thought, this is amazing. James Noctway wrote me back and I doubled my efforts, you know. So that's eventually how I ended up at the MV because I was trying to make face-to-face contact, you know. Yeah. What was it? What was it about the the work? Because for people who who don't know, well, James Knockway is an amazing um, conflict photographer, and his his images are are just amazing. I mean, there's hardly hard, hardly words to describe what what they are, but they definitely have have an impact. But for you, when you saw those photographs, what was it about them that that really called? to you because for some it means that okay i want to become a conflict photographer but in hearing you and in reading uh the article recently on you it doesn't seem like that was what was pulling you into wanting a career as a photographer can you put words to describe what it was that you saw in his images that you felt like i want to be able to create something that evokes this same experience or or feeling when looking at an image well, I think it, you know, um, it's interesting because uh, I think you, as you go along, you, you react to certain things and it's hard to put into words, but it, you know, I, I worked for Jim for over three years and we had many conversations about images and I began to understand that one of the things that drew me to the images immediately was his knowledge of just the the visual medium or the visual experience. Uh, he really knew how what what made an image and what worked as an image. And then there was something deeper, of course, which is hard to describe, but it was, I mean, th- that the people, uh, people may or may not, I, you know, people may may or may not be really familiar with his images, but um, they're images of people in tremendous states of usually suffering or hardship. But those people still remain, uh, still had their dignity and um, their humanity. And uh, the emotional content was beyond just the kind of amazing technical uh, prowess and um, ability uh, uh, of Jim to to uh, put down these things, you know, with his camera, so to speak. It just the emotional content was so intense, was so. Uh, uh, direct and to me that felt like a version of truth that I understood. Um, 
regardless of whether or not I had seen those things before. So how did you sort of bring that, that awareness of that sensitivity to what you were doing in, in the streets of New York? Um, were you conscious of the fact or did that really come as a result of making images, looking at images, talking to, to Jim and sort of, did it evolve into a sort of a certain way of, of seeing and shooting for you? How, you know, how did that sort of all come together? How did that all gel? Oh, it's hard to say. I mean, you just go out and you take photographs of the things that you respond to most. I mean, I think that's kind of where style develops is that you are honest with yourself about what it is that you respond to. And you try to photograph that honestly and straight. And the more that I photograph on the street, the more that I know about the things that I react to and respond respond to. I mean, I think the worst thing you can do is to not shoot the things that you, I mean, that you do. If, trying to shoot things you don't care about is, it's very difficult to make a good image. Almost impossible. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that people shoot that I, I don't really like and I don't care about them. But I can appreciate if they can shoot it honestly. Um, when it comes to street photography, I've heard it described as the, um, the theater of the street. Mm. You know, there's, there's just, yeah, I think Mayowitz or someone says this a lot. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think street photography is a bit like poetry. So. I think, I think it's, uh, it's extremely hard to do. I think it, it might be even the hardest genre because there's no real, there's no defined parameters for it. And, um, you're really taking, two or three or four or however many unlike things and you're juxtaposing them similar to if you were to use figurative language in a, in a piece of writing and you're placing these things in contrast or comparison and it's an instinctual and an emotional response and it's up to the viewer to make that connection or not. I mean, Street photography is, so, and like poetry, street photography is so often done so poorly where everything is spelled out. And I think that uh, it's so important in both street photography and life to have a little mystery to things and to tr try not to be too obvious about it. That's an interesting point. Can you... Give me a, a kind of a visual reference for that, because I think I know what you're talking about, but is there a particular image of yours that you feel like really speaks to that idea? Well, I mean, there are lots of ways of doing it, but it's really, um, I shot a image, uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago of um, a child and his mother and maybe his sister and they were standing on a corner they were tourists and they were looking at a map 
and the young boy was kind of hiding under the map, so to speak, or crouched under the map. And uh, he je- he did this gesture with his eyes where he he kind of gazed up and away at some sort of building or something passing overhead, or I don't even know what. But it was this subtle gesture that created kind of an intrigue. I mean, it would have been just a, I mean, maybe a well-composed, if, if it could even be classified that uh, as that image before, but this subtle gesture made it all of a sudden like, well, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what the relationship of this boy is to the world. And um, it's that kind of uh, intrigue or mystery or I mean, you could even call it emotional content that that kind of drives it for me. Yeah, I, I, you know, I look, I think of some of the work by Gary, Gary Winogrand um, mm. is is a lot that's a lot, of, a lot of his images sort of speak to that idea about a sort of an encounter or a relationship either between people or people in in a specific environment, and it Im- immediately evokes a question. Mm-hmm. In terms of what's going on, who is this? What's the relationship between these two people? What happened just before? What happened just immediately afterwards? Um, yeah, there's a famous example that Winogrand uses, where I think it was in a documentary, where he talks about one of his photos where there's a there's an arm, there's a kid in a hallway, and then there's like an arm coming out of one of the doors, reaching into the hallway. And the arm is holding, or the the arm or hand is holding a hat above the kid's head, and he says, "Well, what's going on here?" This is one of the reasons he says often, or if, I, I'm pretty sure it's Winogrand. He says that uh, uh, photographs don't have any narrative. You know, I mean, what is you know? You just have one thing. It can mean anything. Um. But it's the the combination of these different elements in the frame that that create these relationships. I mean, they can be symbolic relationships. They can be um, uh, more literal relationships. I mean, those people can be stand-ins. You know, one of the things that I always try to avoid, though, is the, the I think a lot of street photography is. Um, it kind of falls into um, one-line jokes uh, or like weird little plays with alignment in space where you align two items and isn't that funny or um, or like uh, uh, businessmen will be walking in one direction and construction workers will be walking in the other direction. And that might give you a chuckle or something, but who really cares, honestly? I mean, it's such a shallow. I mean, it's so. It's like there's so much more to life than than this. I mean, this is like there are some people who. Uh, who can really do wit well? I think Elliot Erwitt. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Martin Parr. And, I mean, and Gary Winogrand. But their 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 images have such social relevancy and they reveal something about the human experience uh, 
about what it means to be a human being, what it means to be a social animal. And, um, and they have that mystery. And, and it's, it's interesting that they can and have produced images from moments that are so fleeting and that it really calls on them to be just so prescient of, of something that you really can't really predict. There's some sort of, sort of instinctual thing that allows them to recognize one element and then see another element that may be coming into the, into the scene and saying, I can bring these two together and, and say something. And it's not something that they would verbalize at the moment, but it's just like something inside of their gut that allows them to do that. At least that's what I, I feel like when I see them see their images and, and when I'm at my best, but mm. it, how about, but for you, what is that like? Cause you're out in the street and there's so much happening, particularly in the streets of New York. So out of all that visual and audible noise, how do you sort of find those things? Cause you, you mentioned in the article that sometimes you won't take a picture for a while just because you don't want to go for the low hanging fruit. But how do you, you know, when do you recognize the potential for a moment to provide you what, what you want in terms of making the photograph? Well, I mean, I think it gets more refined, you know, uh, it's like a muscle or an, uh, exercise. And, and, um, so as you go along and the more, the more I take photographs, the more kind of instinctual the response gets, or the more I can kind of, I mean, I might be able to before, it was, I got lucky maybe, but now I still get lucky, but, but also I, I can kind of see something down the street or maybe a block and a half away. And I, and I can almost, it's almost like I can feel it developing. I just know something's going to happen over there. Sometimes it doesn't, but uh, usually I'm right. And I think that's just experience with how people um, gesture and move and interact. And you just, I mean, photographers are observers, and you spend a lot of time time observing people. And if you uh, are looking for certain types of things, whatever those things that turn you on are, uh, eventually you become into, you become attuned to them as they begin to develop, and you recognize the signs that they're developing. I wish I could be more specific, but um, there are certain moments on the street where I like to shoot in busy streets uh, a lot where there's lots of stuff to see. And I like when lots of people are coming together and kind of, I mean, sometimes quite literally smashing up against each other, trying to get through or by. I think it's so odd in these urban environments that these people are smashing up against each other and through each other like the like these other people are objects and no one looks up or really acknowledges like another human being that's there and it's almost like waves crashing together um uh or the uh and the the these corners especially during rush hour will fill up um like um like a swell like a like a tide you know like you'll get these and and if you're in if you're in the right 
place in the right corner and the light is good and the swell of people come together all at once from all these different directions and then there's these gestures and things that are coming into the frame and I mean you barely have time you can't think about it so you just put your camera where it should go <laughs> based on your experience about what may or make uh, may or may not make a good image and you hope for the best. Yeah. I think, I think for me, um, the one thing I've picked up from working on the street is, is the relationship people have with each other. Um, the reactions they have to each other. Uh, sometimes it's, it's people who know each other, either their family or their friends and they're interacting in whatever way on the street. And it's like, I can observe it and, and their interaction with each other is sometimes becomes great fodder for, for a photograph because I, I often think that whatever relationship that they have privately sort of extends itself out into this public street. And even though people are walking around them, whatever dyna dynamic exists between them um, is going to find itself out mm -hmm. here in this sort of public venue. And sometimes it's it's just observing those interactions that provide me an interesting moment for a photograph. And sometimes it can happen between strangers. I mean, I think one of the things that I see a lot in terms of people doing street photography is they just make snaps of people walking down the street. For which, sure, like like quirky characters or something like this. Yeah, and that for me is the least interesting part of it. I mean, there's some stuff that's done with just great yeah. light, but that's that's altogether just something different. But when you see people's reactions to each other, whether they know each other or not, sometimes that's that's the greatest stuff. That, I, I, that I happen. couldn't agree more. Um, and I also think that as much as their interactions with each other are interesting in urban environment, their non-interactions are interesting too, where people all of a sudden are very close together and yet have no relationship to one another. And this is very odd to me, and I think it makes for some very psychologically uh, disrupting or disturbing imagery. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that myself. I did a, a series on commuting here in Los Angeles on the bus and in the subway system here. And it was very, very curious to see how people could be put into real close physical proximity to each other in ways that would normally only happen in a sort of intimate relationship and how that, that intrusion into their personal space that they had to sort of accept it, you know, and contend with it for whatever period of time, but how that, how they were sort of oblivious to each other at the same time, they were in such close physical proximity. And I, like you just said, it's, it's, it's sort of a fascinating to see how people respond and react to that. And it must be particularly interesting in the New York subway. Yeah, well, it's a tricky thing to shoot street in general, but on the subway, everything's confined. So I think there is a real uh, tension that exists with personal space because everyone's pushed into this pill. And, I mean, you're right up against someone. Um. So I think it's important to have a sensitivity to it, um, especially if you want to take candid stuff. I mean, no one wants to be objectified. 
no one wants to be taken advantage of. Um, so, I mean, th- those are those are important questions to uh, ponder. <laughs> still, still want to make the photos. And now I'd like to take the time to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. As I mentioned before, networking and connecting with other people is a real important part about being a photographer today. It's great that you're going out there and you're making beautiful images that you're personally happy with, but there's something missing if you're not getting those images out to people who share that same passion for photography. And one of the great ways to be able to do that is by creating a beautiful website, which Squarespace does with these awesome templates that are so easy to design because they're basically drag and drop. But more importantly, they fully integrated it with social networking. So now you can automatically import and sync and publish to and from social media with just a few clicks, dynamically refreshing your site content and raising awareness to your social circles. For example, you can automatically pull photos from Instagram into your site. You can instantly sync pages and galleries to Facebook, auto-publish new blog entries on, on Twitter, social media buttons to connect with all the services you love like Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, Foursquare, Dropbox, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and, and more. It gets you completely jacked in to what's happening out there in terms of the photographic world, but, but more importantly, it gets you and your work out there. And there's no easier way to do it than to use Squarespace. And you can find out for yourself by just taking advantage of this free trial. So sign up for a free account. No credit card is needed. Just try it out and start building your website today. Then if you decide to purchase it, use the offer code CANDIDFRAME6 and get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, including monthly and annual plans. That's squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME6. Everything you need to create an exceptional website. So, so, so when you go out, you know, what's, what, what's your process? How simple do you keep it in terms of equipment and gear that you take out? And do you have certain, certain areas that you like to travel to, or do you like to wander and get, get lost? Um, I'm talking to Joel Meyerowitz. Uh, there's a particular area in New York that he has, has a particular affinity for that he, that he goes to a lot. But uh, I know plenty of photographers that like going into areas that are completely unfamiliar to them. Uh, sure. in order to explore what's what's your what's your preference or what's your the, the well, way you like as to far as things. new york is concerned um there are places that i like uh i like where there are lots of people and i like the kind of physicality of tons of people coming together um it's exciting and i'm always punching towards the action of things that are happening and catching my eye. So that's, so I mean, Midtown in Manhattan and Chinatown and, um, um, specifically on the West side, you know, 14th street. Uh, I think a lot of New York has become so gentrified. It's pretty boring, especially the city. But you don't really get that kind of, I mean, New York is completely unique because of the 
the amount of people and the diversity of them. Um, so a lot of the neighborhoods, all those great photos that you that that I looked at and, and loved uh, on the Lower East Side, you know, uh, um, uh, and uh, uh, Harlem and all these different like neighborhoods. I mean, so many of these neighborhoods have become so gentrified, but you still have this huge flux. I mean, uh, of people coming in every day for work, and I, I guess that's kind of I always try to go out at the beginning or the uh, and the end of the day when everyone's uh, coming to and from work, um, and the light tends to be good then. So, yeah, there's something about the the light in New York. I was out shooting with a friend of mine, and we were just talking about you know it's not so much that the quality of light is different in New York. I mean, it comes down from the sun just like it does anywhere else, but it's the buildings, the varying surfaces of not only the newer buildings, but the older one and how it reflects and deflects and refracts light and shapes it into different things, make it just absolutely rich in terms of uh, what you can do as, as a photographer. That's one of the things that I immediately gravitate to whenever I'm there and, and, and shooting. Uh, Los Angeles is relatively flat. They have some pockets where, where you get similar types of light, but you really have to hunt for them. And there you just walk yeah. off the stoop and, and, and there it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, the light is beautiful in New York. Uh, and maybe not so much the light as the shadow. The yeah. shadows. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, the way that um, the shadows of the buildings carve up the the sidewalks and the intersections is 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 completely unique um i'm sure there are other places but you know that kind of geometry is is beautiful and rare when I, when i look at your work your work is very uh, punchy very contrasty um, you really like, you know, getting those, those deep shadows. And I also have an affinity for that. When, when you're, when you're shooting, how much of that do you have in mind as you're composing your shots? Or does that really sort of only take place after the fact when you're taking a look at the images and you're in, interpreting it in, in software? I think it's, it's both. Um, I, it's when you're shooting something, um, well, they both, I guess they both inform each other. Um, I think that the real art of photography is uh, the, 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 the specificity of the decisions that you make. Um, I think that's one of the shames of something like Instagram, where you get these uh, pre-assigned aesthetics. Because the aesthetic choices that you make after the fact are just as important as the aesthetic choices you make during. I mean, that's what, that's what makes it unique. That's what makes it an art form. That's what makes it a creative process. Um, so through the exploration of messing around with the photos in the computer, um, you begin to see the world differently as well as vice versa. Um, so it's a back and forth. I mean, uh, go ahead. It's, it's like, um, asking, um, like a painter, for example, if he's setting something up to paint, 
Uh, he's going to make specific choices about what those things are, uh, how he's going to do it, what medium he's going to use, and then also how he's going to paint it. I mean, his explorations on canvas inform his subject matter and, and vice versa. Yeah. Well, you, you teach um, photo workshops on street photography, and there's just, over the last several years, there's just been a huge increase in interest in this type of photography. Mm. Um, when you when you, when you find why why do you think there is such an interest in doing that? Um, it seems to be predominantly fairly young photographers who have a fascination for this, as if you know this is again I know this is a new th- sort of thing for them, but you know mm. there's always different genres of photography. When you when you talk to people uh, about your work and, and and their work, do you have a, a sense, at least from your own personal perspective, into why? this is such a magnet for so many young photographers. You mean street photography? Yeah. I mean, um, I know why it's, I know why it's, why I, I'm in love with it because I, I grew up looking at photographs of the seventies, you know, mm-hmm. and that was, that was the work that, that really sort of spoke to me, whether it was Meyerowitz or, um, Maisel or whatever. It seems like the, the work that really sort of spoke to me, and I think the reason it spoke to me is because I saw communities in areas that I was growing up in. I mean, I was growing up in South LA, but there was something about those photographs that I wasn't seeing in most of the commercial work and, and, and stuff in the magazines. I was seeing communities and people that I related to, which I think was one of the reasons why I gravitated to that type of photography when I started picking up the camera. But I really can't put my finger in terms of why why it's become... Uh, uh, such a popular type of photography now for so many people. And I was just, and I know it's, it's going to vary depending on who you talk to, but I'm always curious to hear if you, what, what opinions some people have in terms of why there's um, such a rise in interest in it. Well, you know, I, hard to say, but a couple things come to mind. Um, I think, uh, Cameras, good cameras are not only smaller than ever, but more affordable than ever, and anyone can do it. Um, especially kind of compact uh, mirrorless cameras, Micro Four Thirds, the Fuji, the new Fuji cameras, and this type of thing, right? So, last maybe three years, this is, those, those have become a huge part of the, mar- the camera marketplace. Uh, a lot of it's tied up in kind of gear, kind of fetishism, and um, and this type of thing. So a lot of people get interested in, I think, street photography and different types of photography for the gear. But street photography itself might be an antidote to so many of the contrived um, image, so much imagery that we see that's uh, contrived, the advertisements that are everywhere. I mean, because street photography is real in its life. And uh, maybe maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe people uh, want to be reminded of the fact that life is out there mm. <laughs> versus these staged, you know, images. I don't, I don't know. Um, I think for young guys, I mean, street photography has been a... Um, uh, it's been a, a primarily a, a male pursuit. 
um, uh, for these young and and continues to be, I think, for the most part. Not that there isn't great women photographers, but I think maybe for a lot of these young guys, it's you know, it's a way of kind of um, trying to build up a little courage. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, something like that, like going out, you're like a lone wolf in the, you know, um, the, there's something romantic about that going, grabbing a camera and going out and, you know, being an art, being a, being an artist or being a photographer. Uh, I, you know, it's hard for me to say why, why someone does it. I can, I can only really tell you why I, I do and yeah. maybe not so well. <laughs> I look at your images and I think you're doing quite a good job of what, whatever you're doing. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, well, it, it's interesting to see that you're, you're making a career of a, a as a photographer, um, doing editorial, doing photojournalism. And it, it seems like you, that the aesthetic, for lack of a better word, is something that pervades all your work that there isn't like, okay, this is the kind of stuff that I do for my, to pay the bills and this is what I do for my personal work. And it seems like you're able to bring them all together, which I think is something that a lot of people talk about doing that you should do, uh, but not everyone does. And has that been a challenge for you or have you found that, that this is just the way I do things and I'm, you know, going to find a place that, that appreciates that accepts it and is willing to compensate me for it. (laughs) Well, the compensation thing's always the trick, right? But yeah. uh, um, no, you just you learn your you learn the pig you learn the colors you learn your palette. Um, you know uh, the great the great painters um, uh, they they pick their colors very carefully, and they pick their subject matter very carefully, and that the more that they did their work, the more it became theirs. And, um, it wasn't, I don't think it was always like that for me. The, there were very distinct street photography was black and white. My reportage was different looking, but now it's the same. I work the same way. I I work on the image. I shoot the images similarly and I work on them similarly. I mean, there are different approaches certainly, but, uh, um, uh, but for the most part, the you know what I'm looking for is is becoming closer and closer. Well, my my last question that I ask each photographer is is I suggest that they recommend uh, a photographer for our listeners to discover and explore on their own, and it can be anyone. It can be someone you've long admired, or someone you've recently discovered. So, who would that one photographer be, and why? One photographer. One, huh? yeah. Oh. Um, well, I'll, I'll just say this really quick. Um, I think that a lot of people are creating images of a certain type. Um, and I think it's really important to know where these types of images came from. So I would really recommend, the other day I was at the Strand Bookstore, which is a very large bookstore here in New York. And I was looking through some of the people that I looked at initially who really blew my mind, but I was revisiting them. And I was amazed at 
what I was learning. And I was looking through William Klein's New York book. Mm, yeah. And I was just amazed at how much I had missed and how far that went, especially for its time. I mean, I, I really encourage beginning photographers who are looking at younger photographers who admire younger phot other photographers, contemporary photographers, to really go back and look at that and just see how well it was done. Those blurry images that we that we really admire, or those kind of in-your-face images, the, the out-of-focus, whatever, you know, that really gritty style that is so popular. Go back and look at how far that took it. And uh, I think that's pretty enlightening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. But who is the... Uh are you recommending William Klein or is there another person you have in mind? Well, yeah, I'd say that specifically that book, William Klein, New York. Uh, what is it called? New York uh, is a place where, um, uh, I can't remember the exact title. Well, I'll have a, I'll have a link on the, uh, on the website for it. Yeah. Cause yeah. And there, there's also a video that was, uh, that I saw recently on William Klein that I'll also post on the, on the website for people to take a look at. It's a, uh, I think it's about a half an hour, but it's a half an hour really well spent. Yeah. So, but where people, where can people go to find out uh, more about your work, your workshops and all the things that you're doing? Well, they can go to my website, which is just my name, which is Jonathan Auk, which is spelled A-U-C-H.com. Um, I also post to Flickr, 500 pixels, uh, Google plus Facebook, find me, you know, um, email me, whatever. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for, for making time for me this morning. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, it's, it was a real pleasure. As we continue to grow the show and expand our offerings here at the Candid Frame, your support is invaluable. And you can show that support in a variety of different ways. You can make small donations using PayPal, a link for that you'll find at the candidframe.com website, where donations of $5, $10, $20, or even more are greatly appreciated and go a long way to helping us improve the show. You can also post reviews on the iTunes web store, which help our rankings and create more awareness about the great program that we offer here. The show's editor is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com, Music is provided by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at Incompetech.com. Till next time, this is Ibarian X. Perello, and this is The Candid Frame.